0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Highly Inspired. I'm Ella. And I'm Jordan. Hey, guys. um, Sorry it's been a while. Uh, We actually have a very special guest um, on the show today, which is exciting, Jordan. We haven't had a guest episode in, I guess, a while. Yes,
1: we pick them very tediously.
0: Yeah, yeah. And a little background on our guest. Um, So we have someone actually live right now from Australia, which is really exciting. I don't think that we've had anyone um you know join us live internationally um and you know some of you guys might be aware some of you not but you know every country has kind of dealt with covid differently and we've kind of as america i feel like have been very focused on have we have dealt with it, especially since there's so many different states and everyone's taking different approaches. And in past episodes, I kind of have shared my experience when I was in Europe, when COVID kind of first started, but a lot has kind of changed since then. And, um, it's easy to kind of get wrapped up in, in us politics and not pay attention to what's going around across the world. And there's been a lot of different protests that have been happening in Europe and in Australia. And I came across this, um, this Twitter thread um, from our guest, and it really spoke to me because it really highlighted kind of how intense everything is in Australia right now in terms this of meeting government is
2: being recorded,
0: in terms of uh, government. Um, you know government regulation, and I reached out to our guest and asked her if she would come on and just kind of share her experience firsthand as an Australian and what the government is like right now. And I was in Australia right before COVID, so you know I think Jordan can kind of relate, especially as Americans. You know Australia is a country where people speak English, and it's kind of a similar uh, shared culture in that sense. Um, so it was just very shocking to kind of see this tweet and, and hear her perspective. Um, so she's on with us, and she actually has to remain anonymous just because things are are so intense in Australia there, and it's it's actually really dangerous to speak out against the government, which I think kind of highlights how serious this this discussion is um but yeah we want to we want to welcome our guest on if they want to say hi to our listeners
2: yeah. Hi, everyone. And hi, girls. And yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's um, great to chat with some people outside of the country, which we haven't had for over a year now. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, what part of, if you don't mind, are you? can you tell us what part of Australia are, you're in, Like,
2: just yes. even it's, broadly? Yep. So I'm in South Australia. Um, and that is probably one of the states that has actually suffered the least um, okay. comparatively across the country. So yeah, I am by no means sort of in one of those States, that's really had a really, really awful time. Um, but yeah, things have, um, been a bit intense across the whole country and it, it really is getting worse. I feel in the last few months. So what do they determine, like which,
0: which, which states of the country are more intense in terms of lockdown rules? Does it have to do with positive tests? Is it like based off vaccination status? What's kind of like
2: been the protocol? So, Australia is like the US in the sense that we obviously have states that operate independently. Um, The difference between Australia and the US with COVID is that you guys have sort of had a real push and pull with your politics. You've had states doing completely different things. I feel like you've had a fair bit of opposition, I guess, to the sort of mainstream COVID. So, you've had, you know, you're um florida's your texas is your south Dakota's doing things a bit differently um to you know california new york those states australia is really in lockstep in every single state so every government is virtually doing the same um the insane crazy rules differ from state to state but it's essentially the same across the board so one case lockdowns are now the norm um and it was Victoria last year in 2020 who were kept in lockdown for 118 days, I think it was. So they obviously had a horrible time. They've had five lockdowns there. New South Wales is currently four weeks into a nine-week lockdown, um, and that will probably be extended again as well. So okay. yeah, I've had three lockdowns where I live. Um okay. So every single state is different, but it's the policy is broadly the same, if that makes sense. Yeah. So
0: so what you're saying is that like in the US, we kind of had more push and pull because each state was it wasn't as centralized in the sense of like rules coming down to the states. It was kind of like there was a governor in charge
2: dictating what happens in that state. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Yeah. So, again, this is really an interesting topic because it gets to how bizarre things have been in Australia. So our federal government, um, I think it's similar in the U S they don't actually have a lot of power over the States in terms of there's very limited national rules that they can bring in. So in 2020 when COVID first hit the government implemented a nationwide lockdown, When that was lifted, it sort of the power got thrown back to the states and now I would say the federal government in Australia, the only thing they have control of right now is the international borders. The states are calling all of the shots. So the premiers, what we call is um, what you guys would call a governor of your state, so we have premiers um, and they really hold all of the power and they are the ones that are driving the policy in Australia. It just happens that every single state Mm. and every premier is this monolith of thought and policy and it is a uniform across the entire country even though we have different governments operating in every state. Okay what's what's interesting
0: I feel like about that is that I, I was listening to um, another podcast and they were kind of it was an American but he was saying you know Even though, like, in the U.S., like, yes, we did some states like Texas, Arizona, Florida, et cetera, lifted lockdown, it's it's amazing that everyone still did comply at, at one point, which is kind of what you're saying that, like... Even now, it's still kind of like even though there's all these different states and they actually have a lot of like states rights, like everyone's still complying. And would you mind for our listeners, kind of, I feel like the term lockdown has been used very broadly. And like for example, in the U.S., like we've been like we've experienced a lockdown, but it it doesn't feel like it's as tense as intense as what you guys experienced. Based off of that um, thread that you had, where you kind of outline, you know, you can't leave for only five reasons, you can't go a certain permit of your house. we never even had that, even in like California, where Jordan and I experienced we lived there during lockdown periods. It really wasn't to that level. We could travel yeah. back and forth between our home in Arizona and California comfortably. We could still like travel to northern California. We could still go. Um, we weren't questioned where we went. So could you kind of just walk us step through like
2: what the definition of lockdown is? And I'll show So, um, again, getting into the absolute nitty gritty of rules is different in every single state, but broadly it's the same. So a lockdown here is a stay at home order. Um, in all States, that means you are given usually five reasons that you are allowed to leave your house and how crazy that gets depends on the state and depends on the lockdown. So I've been through three lockdowns in South Australia and the rules have been different in every single one. So you can't leave your house. Um, you can go, if you're an essential worker, you can obviously go to work. You can go do your grocery shopping. You could go to a pharmacy. You're allowed to go for a COVID test, um, and a vaccine if you want to go get a vaccine and you're allowed to leave the house for outdoor exercise. But obviously we had that perimeter here in the lockdown. We just came out up here, which was two and a half kilometers, which I think is about one and a half miles. Um, yeah, so it, it's basically everything is closed. The only things that are open are your pharmacies, you know, petrol stations, gas stations, sorry for you guys, um, okay, supermarkets. So, so, minimal. You, so what, minimal. What happens when you, if you break one of these rules, what happens? Is it like, do you go to jail? Do you get fined? Is it a slap on the wrist? Is it... Again, it, it really ranges and the policing has gotten increasingly aggressive as this has gone on. So... During the first national lockdown in 2020, I would have said it was sort of like more a slap on the wrist. Like if you weren't doing what you were meant to do, the cops would just sort of be like, you know, can you whatever mm-hmm. don't do that do this um and it, it has got progressively worse as time has gone on so for example in south australia at the moment the fine for not wearing a mask is a thousand australian dollars and you can also be arrested and charged with a criminal offense which actually happened to a woman uh last week or the week before she was actually arrested for not wearing a mask at the supermarket. Um, So, it is aggressively enforced. So, we actually had the local police stations here closed and they put all of the police resources into COVID compliance. So, we had cop cars sort of visibly driving around looking for people who were doing the wrong thing, um, checking what people are buying at the supermarket or the hardware store to make sure you're purchasing essential items only. Um, So, for example, you could go to the hardware store to buy a urgent part if you had a tap that was leaking, but you couldn't buy a paintbrush because painting is not essential. Um, so that What? That who, of, de-
1: who determines uh, what is a need versus not, especially in regards to like a house supply or, or right. a, a, so di- a diet item? Who can determine that?
2: So that, that really gets to the heart of a lot of the problems we are having here in Australia. What I feel is actually – diabolical problem is that the police get to decide this. So they decide what is essential, what isn't essential. And as you just pointed out, that is very, very broad. So what is an essential job? Um, You know, what is an essential item to purchase? So in New South Wales, for example, the police came out and said, for example, they didn't want to see anyone buying shoes because they didn't think shoes are essential. You know, what if, what if, what you're, if, a what if you're a nurse and
0: they are growing, right.
2: and every right. year, they, every six months, they need new shoes? That's right. So, this sort of really intense power, and as it has gone on, the police have really been given more and more and more power, and there is just so much interpretation it really depends on the individual cop that you run into as to how they are going to interpret and enforce that law and what it means. So that to me has actually been one of the most disturbing parts of all of this is that there's no, it's just when you have laws that are just so broadly open to interpretation, I think that's when you start to get abuse of power. And yeah, it's, I think a very, very slippery slope.
0: That's really interesting. Did you, so in America, for example, we, like last summer in coinciding with COVID, we also had this whole movement that actually was kind of criticizing the police. And, um, you know, like it was, it was actually more of a left leaning um, issue, which is interesting because it was kind of this weird, I don't know. It was kind of this weird um, contradiction because being, you know, politically speaking, being pro lockdown was seen as left view, but also being defund the police was seen as left view. But now You know, I think that the only way that authoritarian governments can kind of accomplish their goals is actually to partner with the police and, um, like you said, kind of give them the power to be making these decisions like, oh, is a paintbrush essential? Is it not? Um, Has there always been kind of previous to this had Australians kind of had a lot of conflicts with the priest or did you or police or did you guys kind, of kind of more coincide with them and they weren't as kind of aggressive and in, in, in your business
2: no I feel like policing in Australia has always been drastically different to the USA and I don't know whether that's largely um because we don't have guns um I think Policing in an environment where anyone can be armed and they have that constant worry mm. probably produces sort of a different result just naturally than the police here obviously know that no one can really pull out a gun like it just doesn't happen you know people here they have like you know a knife or a baseball bat or something that's the sort of um so no I feel like policing has always been very peaceful here largely so we also had those protests by the way because people here just copy what America does and <laughs> they had these protests and everyone was kind of confused as to what they were protesting about because there's that's really-, really funny
0: yeah <laughs> funny you bring that up because I'm now remembering when I was when I was in Sydney in December of 2019 we I actually saw someone get arrested and we didn't know what was going on because it was was the most peaceful thing ever like the police didn't have a gun up like literally they didn't even have to use handcuffs like the guy just like sat there and I was like wait is this like a an arrest like what's going on and we were just we were just eating dinner and like watching it go down and the guy got in the car like really calmly and I was like whoa
2: we were all like whoa (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's so, I mean, obviously just like every country, we have violent crime. We have all those things happen, but by and large, I feel like it is a very, very different situation. And yeah. So when people were protesting here, sort of about the police, everyone was just a, well, a lot of people were sort of a bit confused because they were sort of protesting about an issue that does not really exist here. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that was quite interesting. So no, I have been, um, very shocked and confronted with the behavior of the australian police forces i have always seen the police you know if i see a police officer if i'm out at night you feel comforted like you're happy to see them out and about um now i see a police officer and i automatically feel nervous it's it's a really bizarre feeling i've never had obviously a run-in with the law or anything like i said i saw cops as a a positive thing you know you, You see them around, their presence is comforting. It's good to know that they're keeping an eye on things. And now I feel just as a perfectly normal citizen that that vibe has totally changed. And the police have been, I know they're just doing their job and they can really, they have to enforce laws that the government bring in. But I feel that the aggression of the policing as this has gone on and there's been no pushback from the police whatsoever being like, this is sort of a ridiculous rule. We're not going to enforce that, which has happened in a few places in the world. I think. I think it's, yeah, happened, it's happened in the US. us. Yeah,
0: the yeah. LA County is multiple times has tried to be like in Orange. So we lived in Orange County, or we yeah we lived in Orange County, which is actually the most like conservative part of California, I would say. And like when the the lockdowns happened round two, the sheriff's department was like, we're not enforcing this, sorry. And then when LA just tried to keep a mask mandate when the U.S. lifted it, which now we might be having another mask mandate. I don't know, it's confusing. Um, (laughs) They're like, like, yeah, we're not enforcing that either. So it, it just depends. I think at this point, I feel like at this point, because there's kind of been this like allegiance of the police and people that are also resisting the government like people that are kind of your average day cop like they they have better things to do than enforce covid which i mean that's lucky for us and unfortunate for you guys um and and it might be too because of that gun factor i think that subconsciously knowing that for better or for worse Americans do have a lot of guns and so um, i think that that is kind of an unspoken fear that you know any sort of government probably has to not push the limits too much because you know there is actually the chance that something could get violent between um, an right. authority figure and a, and a, and a citizen Um, And I'm not even like I mean, I've never been like a guns person per se, but I I do think that that's kind of been one of the reasons why America has been different, because there's kind of this unspoken situation where like there's just so many guns in America. And even if you were to pass some sort of. gun reform, which there already is in a lot of states, like it's really hard. are you you gonna track down all those guns?
2: Yeah.
1: Probably not. Um for for myself and also anyone listening who doesn't know, were gun have guns always been like outlawed or when did that happen?
2: Yeah. Good question. Um honestly, I would actually have to look up what that it happened in my lifetime. Um I would have been in my teens from memory. So we had a mass shooting in Australia, sort of like you guys experience. Um, Occasionally we had someone go in and just shoot, I think 11 or 12 people. Um, And the prime minister at the time, it was John Howard sort of came out and said, that's it, we're taking your guns away. And I guess just, yeah, just the difference between, it's just interesting how, even though we share a lot of similarities with the US, the reaction in Australia to that was, okay, fine, we'll hand over all the guns. So it's, it's, yeah, it's not like it's in the way distant past or anything. It definitely happened in my lifetime. Um, but guns just are not a thing in Australia. So nobody has a gun. Sort of the only people who would have guns would be your farmers um, who might have them obviously for – Pest control, or you know, whatever they need to use a gun for. Um, So,
1: so when they passed that legislation, people were willing and actually did like hand their gun in. Okay, literally handed their
2: gun in. Yep. Yeah. So people trust at
0: that point, people trusted the government. People trusted that the benefit of not having mass shootings was worth kind of giving up that that um, personal freedom per se. Was kind of yeah, absolutely, and 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 so far it's proven out to be a good thing up until now because, you know, like we were just saying, normally the police, it's just not as intense interactions and they're not as kind of aggressive and scary up until now, which is interesting. Look,
2: I might, like, totally, honestly, I virtually have no opinion on guns. It's just not something I know enough about. And I feel like it's one of those very, very complex topics. But yeah, um, so, yes, we obviously don't have the same problems with guns that America has, but what does that actually mean in a bigger sense? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really know sort of on my yeah. thread that you guys saw, I had hundreds of comments from people in the USA being like, you shouldn't have given up your guns. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I would have been like 12, so, but so like, um, I didn't have much control. I, that. Didn't, I didn't have a gun to give up, but um, yeah. So no, I, I feel like that. And as, as you said, rightly or wrongly, I'm not saying either way, that I think does make a massive difference to policing. Um, they're, yeah, yeah that the police just do not have to worry that the population, a street full of people, can sort of, you know, band together and go, get out of our street. You're not coming into our homes or anything like that. It just, we have no, none of that power. So, yeah. and, and is that good or bad? I don't, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Have you and guys, since you
0: guys don't have that? You've been, there's been a lot of protests I've seen. Like that has kind of been your guys' way. Has that been like the main way of resistance is all these like mass Protests, I would,
2: so I would say the protests have been pitiful and tiny and very few and far between. Um we've really only started having protests in the last couple of weeks and that is because obviously people are just getting to breaking point. Um the, this is and this is what I was trying to get out when I when I wrote that Twitter thread was just the human misery and suffering that is occurring across this country is Um, unfathomable at this point and so people are now getting to breaking point but yeah protest has largely been illegal across most of the country at all times since March 2020 so we had all those protests like I said we always everyone sees what's happening in America and just we automatically get the same protests as you guys. So we had those same um, anti-police protests and whatnot. And they received an exemption from the police and the government to hold those protests, even though we were in the middle of lockdown in most places in the country at the time. And now that these people are trying to protest lockdowns and other COVID policy, it is being policed in a highly aggressive manner. And the two-tiered policing, I also think, is incredibly dangerous because... They've now set up this, you know, we're going to allow certain people to protest, but if you want to protest against us and the government, we've made that illegal and you can't do it. So people are too scared to go out and protest because they will arrest you. Um, They have set up a special task force in New South Wales to hunt down all of the people who attended the New South Wales protest um, last week. So they are actually scrolling through CCTV footage and putting photos up of people and asking the public to dob them in so that they can go and find them a thousand dollars or arrest them. Oh my them. gosh. That is terrifying. Well, the so word
1: hunt, how- even just using the word hunt with that. I so mean, that, that is what it is. Yeah. yeah.
2: That is the word the police used. So this isn't this. And this is what I mean. The, the language and the attitude of the police and the government has become increasingly, like, I'm going to use the word terrifying. It is terrifying. I feel. I mean, Um, you have to be on here anonymously
0: and Australia isn't, isn't China. It isn't um, a country that is known to the Western world. I mean, you guys, it's part of the Western world. It's supposed to be about um, civil liberties and democracy and, um, you know, freedom of expression and, you know and it, and clearly it's not right now i mean how did you guys get how when did so are they have they have they been just able to use um protesting like they've they've made it illegal because it violates
2: the covid laws is that basically that's the right. logic that's okay. that's their logic so what they've done is every state has declared an emergency and that essentially gives them almost unlimited power it's again It's terrifying. Um, It's something that you never think about until, because obviously our lifetime, we've been fairly lucky. We've lived in a very peaceful time. There's never been a reason for most Western countries to declare an emergency, unless we're talking about a natural disaster and they Mm. declare, you know, for a bushfire or a flood or whatever it is. Um, We just had no concept before this happened to us, what powers the government were actually able to access, how easy it was and how sweeping they were. So, they virtually unlimited power. So we have been living and I keep getting a lot of pushback from Australians and Americans in particular. I have been referring to Australia as a police state. That is how we are currently operating. I, so I don't know exactly. how else I don't know how else to describe it. So we have laws are now made outside of parliament. In South Australia, we are not even governed by our Premier, who's our version of a governor in the US. Um, we are actually governed by the police commissioner. So he has been handed control of the state. He can make laws and then the police come in to enforce those laws. If that's not the definition of a police state, I don't know what is. Um, When you have a government and three or four people who can make whatever law they want and they'll bring these laws in at 9 o'clock at night and say from 9 o'clock tonight, you can be fined, arrested for whatever it is. Um, and then, yeah, the police will just enforce that aggressively. So it, it is quite scary. And like I said, the rules are getting more and more draconian as and insane as this goes on.
0: Wow. Um, would you say, you said that some Australians disagree with you, which I agree with you. That sounds like the definition of a police state to me. And that's kind of what from the limited media coverage it's got, and that's what it's sounded like to me. Um, you said some Australians disagreed with you. Would you say that most Australians are fed up and don't buy this anymore, that, that the government isn't, that they aren't doing this in the interest of public health, that it's actually in the interest of control and, and being more powerful? Or would you say that some people still are, are fine giving in and, and don't see an issue with this at least?
2: The overwhelming majority of the Australian public support this and, if anything, they are constantly pushing for the government to go harder and harder and that is part of the reason why it is getting worse and worse is because the politicians, like, theoretically we still do live in a democracy so they still have to face election at some point. They are reacting to the public mood and the public mood is, you know, if people break the rules, we want them arrested, we want them jailed. We want them fined, um, you know, if if we get one case, immediately Facebook will be flooded with thousands of comments saying we need to lock down immediately. Um, so if, if anything, it, it really has been, I would say, it is has been very, very difficult for me to even come across someone who is worried about what is happening. Do you think that that, num- that majority might actually be
0: somewhat skewed? Because if you guys have been... I will say this: like being locked down and just being on the internet versus like interacting with people face to face, you know, it's, you get kind of more of a sense of what, like if, okay, for example, if you guys online, like art, so you can't even speak out against the government because you could get, um, in trouble, um, and you can't leave a certain mile radius of your home it's kind of hard to even get a sense, right. Of like who actually is in support of this, or do you feel pretty confident that it's like the majority of
2: Australians and it's not just like a, a facade Um, that it's. So I, so I agree with you. And I think, I think it's twofold. So I think the majority, I think it is accurate that the majority are saying this. So they will say I support it. If someone sort of says, Oh, you know, another lockdown, they're like, Oh, well it's saving lives. I feel like there is a massive force where people are saying what they think they should say mm. and not necessarily what they truly believe. And the other problem in Australia is that the suffering that has been created by these policies virtually gets no coverage. And so a lot of people and I feel this has been a case across the world where there is a particular class of people who can work from home, who have a privileged life like you have a roof over your head you don't have to worry about buying food you have a family that gets along um you know you've got a good support network those people um are so far removed from the reality of life under these policies for a lot of the public and like you said when you're locked in your home you're locked in your state you're locked in your country you don't get out to speak to the range of people you would normally speak to. Um, you know, you don't hear about the uh, middle-aged guy who's in the process of losing his business and his house. You don't hear from the woman who's locked at home with her abusive husband, you know, the kids who are a year behind in their schooling now and you know, they're depressed. You, if you happen to live in a privilege bubble, that is all you see. And you think it's all just fine. And people are afraid, um, this is sort of why, you know, I'm forced to be anonymous is because I do have a business and the public backlash for speaking out against these policies, um, you'll be called a murderer. You don't care about human life. You're selfish. You're a horrible person. It creates damage to your brand. So a lot of people are actually silenced by the community itself. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this suffering is just happening in total silence. And I feel like this is why I have started posting just these really, graphic tweets if you like because this is the reality we are living under and it's like people don't want to face h- how it really is. And when you lay it out in writing, it's absolutely horrifying. Um and yeah, it, I feel like so yeah, sorry, I've gone off on a tangent. No, but- I, I think that you're right. Jordan, I think you can kind
0: of speak to that. We've experienced that with some of our friends in the US and it's gotten to the point for us where we're just like we don't we don't like we don't want to be we don't want to be come you know where you guys are at or where even countries that are worse off than you guys are at and and so that's why we're now like taking the stance every conversation I can I, I will bring this up if, yeah. it, if it feels appropriate anything Jordan, to me
1: to and I've said this on the podcast a million times but anything to me that is like a restriction of freedom really in any sense. I view that as a red flag. And I think that at the beginning of COVID, we we were already predicting the stuff that we're literally hearing from you right now. um, And all of it has panned out and it's going to continue to pan to pan out until like the collective majority wakes up to it because what's happening is when all of these authorities since they've realized how well we did with cooperating going into our houses and staying locked down going um, on to online and, and working from home and doing literally everything step by step that they were suggesting us to do um, we proved very cooperatively, and so now it's like once those authorities have realized they've they have all this power, like it's really hard for us to hard for people like that to get um, to to for like I guess yeah throw away of that power. They want to keep expanding it, and so um, I mean I'm not a psychologist or anything, but that is some sort of prediction that I have, and I think that it's really really scary because. Um, I mean, I feel I feel sorry for you and and your business being at stake like that is your livelihood and or a livelihood. And um, yeah, a lot of people that are um, in the lower income groups that COVID is not um, meant for that. You can't have luxury. Yeah, it's it's luxurious to to be elite and and not have to worry about the outside
2: world. That, that's exactly right. And I have to say, one of the, the comments that gets thrown at me all the time, and I, I really can't stand it, is money doesn't matter, the economy doesn't matter, businesses can be replaced, lives can't. Exactly as you just said shelter, food, your immediate safety are the basic human necessities. The reality of the world is that we need money to pay for those things and to provide those things for our families. So I find the people who say money doesn't matter are the people who are not actually losing anything. So we are in one of the richest countries in the world here in Australia. Um, We have our food banks overwhelmed. They are now handing out more food to families in a week than what they used to hand out in like one to two months. So things are very bad. People aren't okay. This suffering is, like I said, is happening in silence and It really, um, and so I am impacted obviously by what has happened. However, I am incredibly privileged. I have a roof over my head. I have a husband who has a steady job. We have an income, but obviously I'm very close to the suffering that a lot of people are going through. And it is, I am ashamed of my country. I think the way, just the indifference to what some people are going through and, you know, abandoning our own citizens overseas. We are putting single mothers out of work. We are taking kids out of school. It's I could go on and on about the the harms in Australia. You know, just about every single metric for population health and wellbeing, we are failing, and it is getting worse by the day. Divorce is going up. Domestic violence is up. Um, child exploitation material coming out of Australia has doubled during this pandemic. Child abuse has gone up. Um, it, every We had a, a university did a survey a, a couple of weeks ago. The article just came out yesterday. 20% of Australians in the last two weeks have thought that they would be better off dead. 20%? 20? 20%. One in five Australians. And this is reported on as if It's fine. It's just not a big deal. It's in the backwaters of the newspaper. Um, We have child and teen self-harm in Victoria where they had their really long lockdown last year, went up by 180% kids presenting to emergency departments with attempted suicide or self-harm. We have the same crisis is continuing now. It's gone up again. Our lifeline, which is sort of our like crisis helpline, if you like, Mm -hmm. um, that is constantly being overwhelmed. They had to put out a notice a couple of weeks ago when Victoria went back into lockdown saying, we cannot get to everyone's calls. If you're going to commit suicide, basically call triple zero, which is your 911. Mm -hmm. Um, That is where we are at in this country right now. And it's um, people losing their jobs. They're losing their businesses. They're losing their life savings. Um, It's just... Yeah, Yeah, um, that's, that's,
0: that's terrifying to hear. And, and I mean, we, we went through, we've had similar trends, um, in the U S. Um, and what's interesting is that the same people, the thing that I've realized is that we've, we've turned, you know, as kind of religion's been on the decline and, um, you know, just people trying to find meaning, I think in life is, is kind of people, people are trying to figure out a way to justify that they're a good person. And, you know, especially when you're locked down, it's like, you can't go really volunteer. You can't go help out a neighbor or visit a friend in need or help out a a sibling across the country, you know? Um, And so what we've resorted to, because I think humans want to feel like that they're good people and that they're contributing is that, Oh, we just go online and we call someone um, a grandma killer because they're saying that actually we should relook lo- at COVIDs and actually weigh the risk and rewards. And that's easier than actually, you know, having that discussion. And like you say, presenting the facts and being like, okay, well, you know, if we agree that all human life is equal and right now, because you know, either people are naturally immune or vaccines have been rolled out or et cetera, you know, there aren't that many COVID deaths that justify this amount of suffering. And actually, there's more people dying from suicide versus COVID. Like we haven't even been able to have that um, discussion. It, it sounds like you guys as well. And because we haven't been able to have that kind of critical discussion of making sure that all lives are viewed as equal and you had to do that risk and a reward analysis. Um, you know, I think that that was the issue with COVID from the the get go. If we really were about saving lives, we would have funneled our resources, um, even taxpayer money to elderly people to make sure that they could stay home um, and get you know food and whatever until there was a vaccine or something that made them feel comfortable to come out um, and keep everyone else you know functioning in society. Because they just the grouped us. Every- they just grouped us all together. Us all it was together, like, yeah. and especially in the American healthcare system. I mean, Jordan, you can speak to this, but. America it's it's we really are a healthcare system that funnels money to big pharma and we're about surgeries and pills and we aren't about personalized um, medicine, and that's exactly what we did with COVID, and it's Mm-mm. it's really detrimental.
1: And my my one of my questions, so you mentioned that most people that you'd bump into um, that's in in Australia right now, if you were to ask them like what their thoughts are, are on the lockdown, that they wouldn't really um, raise any red flags to it. Is that what you said?
2: They would basically parrot the government talking points back to you. So they would say, if you sort of indicate that lockdowns might be causing you know, some, some pain for a lot of people. It's sort of like, oh, yeah, no, they're terrible. Um, but, you know, we have to save lives. Like, unfortunately, it's just the way it is. You know, the government should pay people more to stay home. They just parrot this Yeah, propaganda. It re- really is government propaganda just about. They will just spit back at you what the news reporters tell them every single night, and the news reporters are just repeating exactly what the government says. Um, I'm, I think okay. it is the same across the world, but the Australian government I don't think they've even done a cost-benefit analysis. They refuse to even release, you know, an arbitrary one. They have, they, and that to me tells me just about everything I need to know about all of these COVID policies. If they had a cost-benefit that stacked up, you would release it obviously publicly because you would want the public to read and understand that. Mm. So, um, but I I totally agree with you by the way that um, people are looking for meaning in their life. I think that people now worship politics, which I think is a horrendous uh, development in the West. Um, But what has shocked me in Australia has been the, we have, I don't know how much um, you guys have heard, but we have had a few instances of just subhuman cruelty in the way that we've treated people and people are just fine with it. So We are denying people the right to say goodbye to their dying relatives. Um, There'll be no COVID in the state, no one in hospital. So my own grandfather actually died and we weren't able to say goodbye to him. There was no COVID in the entire state at the time. We have people... So. Oh did gosh. he die
0: of COVID? What did he die?
2: No, then? no, 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 no. Just old age. So it oh was just gosh. his time. Um. Oh, but I'm what's so happening is, is That's horrible thanks. No, like you know, unfortunately, it's just one of those things in life. Yeah. But yeah. the point is that he was locked up in a hospital and unable to. He would have rather have died a year earlier and been able to be with his family than shut up by oh. himself in a hospital. We have locked old people up in nursing homes, cut them off from their families. Um. We've had babies die because they would not fly them from one state to another to get the specialist care they needed. One state denied a heavily pregnant woman access to their hospital. It was hurt. She was living in a, um, Australia's huge, so it can be a bit hard to, she was living closer to a hospital that was technically in a different state um, and that state would not give her an exemption to cross the domestic invisible, you know, Domestic border to go to that hospital, so she had to wait around to get a flight to the hospital that was far further, and one of her unborn babies died as a result of it taking longer for her to get to hospital. so, so not okay. We've it's- had people, it, it, and this is this sort of story to me like that. That makes my blood run cold. Um, that sort of just. That to me is just subhuman. I don't. And they report on this and no one says anything, or everyone's sort of just like, oh, it's horrible, but unfortunately, COVID's a bigger risk. Um, it, it's, it is, that has shocked me to my core that Australians seem okay with this. Um, you know, we put people in total quarantine and they finally managed to get a flight to Australia to say goodbye to their parent or a sibling or whoever who's dying of cancer. And the government won't let them out of quarantine and then that relative will die before they get a chance to say goodbye. And they've taken, you know, five negative COVID tests. They have are fully vaccinated um, and we are still doing this to people. And for every story that hits the media, there's probably 100 others that, that didn't hit the media.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. So what do you think Australia's end goal is? Are, is everyone vaccinated? Is that what the end goal is? They want everyone vaccinated or is it? Is it even go further than that? Because clearly this this isn't, if if pregnant people are dying, if people are, are dying alone, it, this isn't about humanity
2: or, or saving lives. Dehumanization. Zero COVID has become a trap for Australian politicians. So they fell into this by accident. Um, the public, you know, there was one survey that was done and, and a lot of people have said it wasn't accurate, but it, it probably just gives sort of a semi-reflection of what Australians think. They said they thought they would have a 38% chance of dying if they got COVID. Um, just I had some guy on Twitter just the other day and he sort of said, you know, if we let COVID go, we'll have 2 million hospitalizations." And I was like, this is not even in the realm of reality of what of what would happen if, if we did have a big COVID outbreak here. People are just absolutely hysterical and that is pushing the government to clamp down on this zero COVID policy because whenever we get a single case um, people just panic and I cannot see an end point their targets they have sort of started releasing for vaccination to sort of as they call stop lockdowns are unachievable we will never ever hit those vaccination targets ever. Why won't you hit it because of people resisting or because there literally isn't enough of them? I uh, know people just don't want them. So there's a whole story with the AstraZeneca vaccine in Australia, which I can go into if you guys are interested. Yeah. But um, yeah, go like, for
1: it.
2: They, I just don't think in any society you are going to, you're not going to get to that 90% vaccination level. And and they're talking about the entire population, population, sorry, so children as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not going to happen. Parents are not going to be vaccinating their kids under 10 for They're just, Mm -hmm. it's just not going to happen. So Mm -hmm. zero COVID, there is no end. Our prime minister has come out yesterday and said that he sees lockdowns continuing into 2022 um, and they will just keep locking down over and over and over again.
1: So uh, the people who are, are sort of regurgitating back what they've been told, what I don't understand is this is the third lockdown The first one, okay, when was the second one? Was that like summer of last year or?
2: So the three I went through, we went through obviously when COVID first hit, then the second one was in November and then obviously the one we've just come out of. um, But there's been 17 lockdowns in Australia. (laughs) So across the board. So obviously each state is independent. But you guys pretty
0: much have not reopened like the US has at any point. And you have not
2: lifted any mask mandate. So masks have been a very, very odd tale in Australia. So right up until November last year, where I live, um, we were still being told that masks didn't really do anything. Now, all of a sudden, just last week, they've decided to mandate masks everywhere, just like the US had. So um, mask rules have been really one thing that has varied massively across Australia. Um, so I had not even had to put on a mask at any stage at all during this pandemic until last week. Okay. So, okay. um, but in Victoria, they've been widely mandated. New South Wales now, you have to wear a mask as soon as you step step foot outside your house, like literally everywhere. Um, that that's just been one of those one thing that has varied massively across the across the country.
0: Yeah, I would say I would say now that the the tide is turning. I think that from my perspective, the goal, once I once I f- figured this out about two months in, I was like, okay, the goal is for everyone to be vaccinated. That seemed to be the goal, in my perspective, from the government's point of view. And I think that when we were, I don't think the U.S. is in a mass state of hysteria in terms of the general population. I think the general population is over COVID and isn't scared yeah. of it as a disease. Um, yeah. But we did hit that point. But I think that it was it wasn't um, authentic. Now that I look back at it, I think that fear was very manufactured. And I think that, um, you know, if people had been presented the real numbers and had actually an understanding of like, okay, how does this actually affect me at this age category with this, with these health um, you know, issues and, and whatnot. And now things are coming out, like the P- some some of the types of PCR tests can't tell the difference between COVID and the flu. So it's like, okay, some of the numbers could have been inflated at the beginning. So I think that now where the U.S. is at, and, and maybe this is how Australia is, but it might be harder to kind of get a sense of it because you guys are so limited with your travel. But when I've interacted with people, I would say the average American isn't afraid of COVID, but if you were to turn on any mainstream news, or even if you were to go on Twitter, it still feels like there's this like combative viewpoint where there is like half of the country that's still freaked out by COVID. And I would say that it's actually, um, a minority, uh, Jordan, you can agree or disagree. And I would say that because of that, it's been harder for the government to, um, Force the vaccine and now they're getting to the point where they're getting starting to get aggressive to force it because yeah. americans aren't complying you had um mayor de blasio you know we had joe biden say that he's going to come door to door we had his press secretary say that we had um You know, I think it was de
1: De Blasio says that he's he would it's over voluntary option anymore. He he was like, yeah,
0: yeah. Andrew Cuomo's like, well, we're going to put you in a car and round you up. Uh, It's just like the wordage
2: is very, very disturbing and having as in very, um, you know, (laughs) perhaps that had a conference call with the Australian politicians or something. And they're like, we can really get some ideas from you guys on how to, uh, Run oh, well, country into the I think that yeah. I think that we're
0: headed towards all these other countries. And I think that that was the plan from day one. I think that if I think that if, if I think they they would have liked America to be at the point as some of these other Western countries are. And, and unfortunately for them, we haven't gotten there cool. yet. But I think that after the summer, it's going to
2: get intense real soon um Mm -hmm. at least that's my feeling i agree too absolutely i I think the government policy response drove the fear so i feel like when when lockdown sort of that word came to australia in march 2020 and the government like sort of everyone could see where the government was going they started bringing in restrictions and then it was like we're just gonna end up going into this chinese style lockdown um just it was, it was just so wrong from the get-go and I, th- I feel like people saw that government reaction and they actually, their fear was a reaction to the policy itself, not because they understood anything about the virus. I think it was this natural, if the government are reacting in this manner, it must be that serious. Yeah. Whereas I don't think that was ever the case. I think I, on the day that Australia closed the international waters, I actually wrote to my local representative and was like, this is the worst decision a government has ever made in Australia's modern history. How are you ever going to reverse this? Mm-hmm. Um, and when they started talking about lockdowns here, the first thing I did, I was like, this just can't be right. I was like the cost, you know, they were talking about a two week shutdown and I obviously look like an absolute idiot now. Cause I wrote this email to my MP and was like, you know, the cost of a two week shutdown is just so extreme. And, you know, here we are like mm-hmm. going on two years. Mm-hmm. Um it, Just, I I downloaded our pandemic management plan just thinking like this cannot be what Australia's policy is and obviously it's not. So this bizarre worldwide group think with lockdowns, how we all ended up just following one after the other, um, I think, yeah, there's something very sinister going on with that. Policy. Yeah. yeah,
0: No, it's yeah. it's very sinister. And I mean, Jordan and I have done some research into some different theories and stuff, but we don't need to get into it right now. But I think what's interesting is when I was in Europe, and our listeners know this, if they've been kind of following Jordan and I's story, but it was very, basically, the sentiment in Europe. London, when I was living there in March, 2020 was like, Hey, you're in a crazy American for overreacting. We're going to stay open. We think this is just a flu wash your hands. You're not going home. So like I was basically in class and studying abroad and I was raising concerns. Cause I saw that um, Trump had placed a travel ban on China. I had seen that Italy was shutting down and this is the first time in our lifetime that we had seen um, you know Western countries like freak out and you know you were seeing uh, hazmat suits and like death toll numbers and it was it was also new. never had, seen that before. we hadn't gone through this before. so I actually was fearful you know at the beginning. Um, I wasn't concerned that I would die, but I was concerned that I would get trapped um, overseas if something were to shut down and Absolutely. the central public. Yeah the public sentiment among the British was you Americans are overreacting. Like we're fine. We're not going to shut down. And actually my friend um, Carly that summer went to London to nanny of 2020. Like she was able to travel there freely, which is crazy now looking back at where London is and where the UK is. Um, and it was interesting coming back to the US and then the sentiment was, oh, we're not reacting enough. Like we're not doing enough. Two weeks to slow the spread isn't enough. We need to enter these extreme lockdowns. We need to be doing stay at home orders, etc." Europe actually has it more under control. New Zealand has it more under control. So it was really interesting to see like it felt It just immediately I was like okay something's not adding up here with like the press accurately recording what the sentiment is in other countries and if I hadn't had that experience I would not have known that actually like the sentiment in Europe wasn't that people were more prepared or necessarily like more um, freaked out than Americans were I think that people were I think that countries naturally if we had let this play out naturally we would have seen countries do different sort of approaches. But I just think it's weird that eventually every country did the same exact thing, even though people, if you look at, you know, the world is so diverse and how we tackle problems on other political issues and other issues are so like variant. So I don't understand why with this one issue, we all handled it the same way. Um, it just is, it's, it's kind of confusing to me. Fishy. I don't know.
1: It's fishy. Yeah. Well, that's what it is.
2: Yeah. Perhaps that's a, a future conversation. Cause I have my theories about sort of why that happened as well. But Boris Johnson in the UK was actually, I feel like um, the death knock for Australia because obviously we are tied to the UK and what happened with him was so interesting that 180 from what he was saying, like you said, it was, look, yes, this is going to be a nasty virus. The elderly, this came from their chief health officer. It wasn't even from a politician. It was from their chief health officer. You know, this is going to be serious for the elderly, but we'll do what they can to protect them. For most people, this will be a mild illness and it'll go through the population and you'll be fine. You know, sort of standard reassuring message to the public, preparing them, being like, we will be providing resources for people, but here's what you can do. Wash your hands keep your distance if you want to. That was sort of it. Mm -hmm. And Boris Johnson's social media was actually flooded with tens of thousands of these messages over and over again saying, you know, um, China has is disinfecting the streets and all we're doing is washing our hands. China is welding people in their homes. All we're doing is washing our hands. And the word genocide came up over and over and over and over Mm -hmm. again. And this seemed like a very, very organized propaganda Um, attack really on the West. And that when people are reading this, you know, like you said, group think, people feel pressure to conform to what society is saying. So when you're on Facebook or on Twitter and you're reading these thousands of comments saying, we should be panicking about this. We should be doing this. We should be doing that. People go, Oh my gosh, maybe we should be doing that. And then they start then repeating that mantra because they then become a bit more fearful and, I don't know if you guys got flooded with the same videos we did of people collapsing in the street in Wuhan and yep. mm-hmm. yeah, bodies think, in the streets. Yeah, and in the hazmat suits. Like it was like what yeah. would that thought yeah. hit. The, the single world.
1: file lines into the like lab area, places they were keeping people. It was super dystopian.
2: So we got the same, and this was really sort of sold to the Australian public. I don't know about you, actually, this is an interesting question. Had you guys heard of the, the word coronavirus before 2020? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I hadn't. So I did oh, not know. Oh, are you asking if
0: I personally did, or have I looked at yeah. the origins? Oh, I did no, not. No. But so, no, I did not know. No, but I do know that it is a common medical term and that in the medical community community they did know sorry yeah I've looked into uh kind of the history of it isn't like a new term and I looked into like kind of the history of the naming of the disease of COVID all the way to 2019 or to COVID-19
2: so 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 perhaps I'm just ignorant but I I had no idea that the common cold and all these sort of different colds Mm -hmm. or viruses you can get were actually caused by coronaviruses Mm -hmm. we had never heard that word before so Mm -hmm. and the Australian government I don't feel like any government clarified that this is actually a version of a virus that we already have it was sold to us as if it was a combination of ebola the black death and the spanish flu rolled into one that had come from mars Mm -hmm. they were like Mm -hmm. we have never seen this before Mm -hmm. and when i started you know as i said i I was quite uneasy about this from the get-go and Mm -hmm. when i realized that coronaviruses are a garden variety virus and yes absolutely just like the flu you can get different strains and this one was obviously more serious but I feel like if this had been an influenza strain with the exact same infectiousness and the exact same death rate as COVID we would they would not have been able to panic the population because everyone has heard of the flu and we're accustomed to the flu and even if they came out and said look this is going to be far deadlier than previous flu seasons they would not have been able to drive that fear of the unknown so I feel like yeah is is It's marketing 101. It's a branding. And and that's why a lot of, it's really
0: interesting because a lot of um, doctors, I mean, I personally did not know the word COVID before this, but I did learn that a lot of doctors and people in the medical community use it as an interchangeable, like you're saying, for common cold or or things like that. And that there's like multiple strains of like the coronavirus. And so they were confused when they were, when the governments were saying, oh, this is a pandemic because Mm. in the medical term, they use that backhandedly within each other all the time so that was when you started to see doctors i think kind of become more suspicious of it and and there has been definitely a divide in the the medical community in the u.s um on this and it's been very interesting to see that there's been actual treatments that were censored one of them is ivermectin i don't know are you familiar with that drug at all
2: i am so i've i've been following this fairly intensely the whole way through. So I've sort of read a lot of this stuff. Um, Honestly, I have absolutely no background or understanding of of drugs and how they work and that sort of thing. So I don't have a really strong opinion either way. But
0: yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm obviously not a
2: a doctor, but I
0: have found it really interesting that um you know there's a there's been a few doctors that have been promoting ivermectin and it actually worked really well against covid in countries that especially um were later to have access to the vaccine particularly in mexico and other places in latin america and there's just been studies on ivermectin for a really long time because it's oh. been around for like 40 years and Absolutely. it's just so interesting that you know this is something that actually works really well to be both preventative but also um helpful once you have COVID and are infected and and, and kind of curing it faster. Um, but yeah, it's, it's impossible not, to get. <laughs> well, now it is. But because because it's not patented anymore, um, it's not valuable to the pharmaceutical company. So there's no money to be made. And so it's like, OK, why are we talking about this? You know, so I think that was also part of the issue, too, is it so easily I think from the get go it was like, oh, whoever can come up with the vaccine is going to make a ton of money and it was an opportunity for companies like Moderna that had never successfully ma- manufactured a vaccine before up until this one to make a bolt, a bolt lo- load of money. And if people had known, Oh, I could just take Ivermectin if I have early symptoms and be fine, potentially um, I-, I think that we'd be in a different, a different place. You Always know? So follow
1: I mean, the money. Yeah. That's, that's
0: my advice. thanks.
2: What was striking to me, even even before the Ivermectin um, and whatever other drugs have been sort of thrown up there, as um, being able to be repurposed for use with COVID, is that a massive chunk of Australia's pandemic management plan that was obviously written pre 2020 was about research and study into repurposing drugs, the existing drugs, because obviously there was an acknowledgement that a vaccine is going to take X amount of time if one even becomes available, and then we have to roll it out. So there was a really big focus in this plan of putting a lot of resources into studying and repurposing existing drugs that we know are safe that may be used in treatment. We have essentially skipped over that entirely in Australia. So I think there have been a few small grants given to researchers who are trying to look at either existing drugs or new drugs that could be used to treat COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, We have not followed our our own protocol in any way, shape or form for policy across the board. But that really struck me as terrible um because we could have easily been in a situation where a vaccine was never found for covid or you know it could have been like the flu vaccines where you're in that 40 to 50% effective range in which case it would have obviously still been possibly useful for vulnerable people but no way by no means it would have been, have prevented a lot of the deaths or you know we still would have had fairly serious problems so that, that has been very interesting, just the lack of government resources that have gone into, you know, the Australian government now just spend money like it's, well, they literally are just printing it. So you would think that they would not think too much of giving a few hundred million to people who think they could do useful yeah. study into repurposing existing drugs that can then be rolled out cheaply and immediately. Mm-hmm. So mm. really bizarre, really, really bizarre.
1: So I I heard this from someone I don't know I don't know if it's accurate or not, but so we we're, we were just talking about like the name of the coronavirus and how I first came across it was genuinely, even before the pandemic, like seeing it on a Lysol can, like seeing oh what it kills, like what types of bacteria it kills. And um, so I had, had come across the, the word before, um, didn't know that SARS and SARS-1-2, the, those basically were other like aliases for the same thing. Um, but right when like COVID became like, I guess, global news. Um, there was never like, it was never really called coronavirus. It was always called COVID right from the get go. And, um, someone mentioned to me that it's like an acronym and it can be an acronym for certification of vaccination ID or identification. And that has just like, I've had that in my head for so long and I, I probably should do more research on it. But ever since they told that to me, I was like, wait a minute, that's like, that's weirdly specific and the word COVID as like an acronym, since all the letters are like typically capitalized, like that could fit the bill for that, like, I guess, descriptor. So I don't know if you've come across that. Have you seen that? Um, But it just is, it's, it's interesting to me.
2: Yeah, it is interesting. Look, no, that's, that's not something that I have come across. Um, The thing that has struck me is looking back over previous research done by a lot of these really sort of prominent characters like Anthony Fauci, Neil Ferguson in the UK, um, is that the policies that have been implemented have been studied in the past and they failed when they have been used in the past. Like obviously not to the anywhere near the extent we saw in 2020, but these sort of restrictions and other NPI policies actually were used across the West during the Spanish Flu, um, and they failed exactly as they have played out across COVID. Where mm. if there was a benefit, it's almost impossible to detect, and certainly not enough of a benefit to be issuing mandates. Um, so that was very interesting That's really to me. Interesting. That I haven't heard
1: that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so
2: I'll send you guys some stuff. It, it was—it's yeah. just—it um, was a lot of these same names that have come up again and again and again, um, particularly from the UK and the USA, who have sort of been, you know, what's the word? Like not the ring leaders, but sort of these very prominent figures, sort of driving a lot oh, yeah. of this. taking the up front the runner. Yeah.
0: In the, in the ring. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, um, it's it's just weird the whole Fauci thing. I mean, he, it's crazy. He's the highest paid um, government worker in the entire federal look you know it's crazy there's that
2: saying whether like one man can't change the world well i think he has and it has not been a good thing he's um i feel done the most damage to this world that a public servant could ever possibly do at me i think he's been a very net force for bad (laughs) Yeah, pandemic. Yeah.
1: It's crazy what that doctor title can can do to you in terms of people um, looking towards you, you know, for guidance and advice and well,
0: and it's, authority. it's crazy because when's the last time you've seen a patient? You know, like it's crazy that what's cra- what's interesting about the whole believe the science movement is it goes back to what I was saying where you know it's it's become so easy to quote-unquote be a good person it's become so easy now to be quote-unquote an expert or follow the experts and science is if you really are a believer in science which I am science is all about questions and and conflict and going through the scientific method in order to figure out the best possible solution and knowing that science can change based off of new variables but with covid we've treated it like an absolute, like a religion this entire time. And it's been very actually anti um, scientific and it's been weird to like put Fauci on a a pedestal um, as like the only doctor in this time that we can turn to. And I mean, even with something as simple as when I got braces in middle school, I went to three orthodontists and they all had different things to say about what to do um, with my teeth and their different approaches. And that's something very small and pretty, um, manageable. So something as uncharted as a, a pandemic, you would think that the more experts in the, ru- the room, the better um, the solution would be and the more adaptable we would be as new information comes in. But it's actually been the opposite. It's been very yeah. few experts in the room. It's been very few. It's been um, disencouragement of being adaptable, uh, you know, adjusting to the science. And it's been very absolute, which is really disturbing to me. There was someone that just came on the most recent um, White House press briefing. And it's really confusing because right now the CDC just went back and said that even if you're fully vaccinated, you have to be masked inside. Yes. And and Biden said, you know, he gave this huge <laughs> announcement, no more masks if you're vaccinated as an incentive to vaccinate people. So it's been there was a story today where someone asked um, in the press briefing, a reporter asks like, okay, well, where do we stand on masks? And the the woman just says, well, we, we follow the science And we're going to keep following the science. It's like, okay, Okay. what does that mean? Well,
1: talk (laughs) about about scientific method because you just brought that up, Ella. I completely agree with everything you just said. Well, a big key component of the scientific method is at the very end, you analyze your results and you gauge whatever um, next steps off of those results. So since when have we foregone results nowadays, i.e. with the lockdowns? okay, what were our results from the first lockdown? Did that help anything? Did that improve our status of people's health with COVID, the amount of cases, etc? Okay, we should have revisited that. Same with masks, same with the vaccine, same with all of these components that have all fit into this pandemic. We're not looking at results. We're just inferring, oh, we've got it covered and then not revisiting the conclusions on the decisions that we're making. So yeah, I'll, I'll keep that As is, I'll keep it simple. But yeah, that's just a big question I have for people.
2: I I couldn't agree more. And like I said, what was horrifying to me is that they had concluded, they had done this with the Spanish flu. So Mm
0: -hmm, in the last,
2: they have done a lot of study on what policies were used during the Spanish flu. And I'll, I'll send you guys this one paper that I just read. And I was like, oh my goodness. They concluded that these policies failed. They did nothing. They achieved nothing in the end. So we knew this before 2020 and people like Anthony Fauci had commented on this saying you know they did fail then but if we did it harder if we went earlier if we just did this if we just did this then perhaps they would work for a future pandemic so I really feel like and it is um been the case across the board in Australia as well with all of Mm. our experts and chief health officers they have essentially experimented on the population with these policies Mm. that had failure built into them before we even started. And I don't think I've, I mean, I, I am very harsh on a government. I think they're most of them are pretty incompetent um, and a lot of their policies actually fail and produce the opposite outcome of what was intended. But these policies have just failed so spectacularly that, it is unbelievable that we are still persisting with the same thing over and over and over again. And I feel like for you guys in the US and when they start saying we're going to bring back mask mandates or whatever other stupid rule they're bringing back, just point to Australia because every single day our governments signal that they know these policies don't work. So we have COVID marshals, social distancing, masks, capacity caps, hand washing, sanitizing, And when we get one case, they shut the entire state down. Why? It's because they know that none of that stuff works. It's like the the virus. (laughs) Yep.
0: Sorry, go ahead. No, I didn't mean to interrupt.
2: No, once the virus has seeded into the community, it's virtually game over. It will do whatever its natural pattern is. Mm. I really don't think anything we have done has had much impact of anything. And I think the few things that we could have done that may have helped um, reduce... The deaths, we haven't done. So like you said, just very simple things, giving everyone uh, government-backed sick leave perhaps for the year and saying, if you get symptoms, we'd like you to stay home and we'll cover your wage for the two weeks for you to stay home to try and sort of reduce that spread of people being infectious in the community. We didn't give older people the resources to say, look, if you want to stay home and that's your choice, we'll put these resources available for you to access so that you can isolate if that is your choice. Mm. And if you choose to interact with society, here is a list of things that we recommend you do, you know, perhaps meet your family outside, whatever it is that they think may work. And that would just be a recommendation that people can either follow or not. Um, And just to me, yet to me the Australian government is telling the world every single day that not only do these policies not work, but they know they do not work. Because mm-hmm. if they did work, if we have zero cases in this country and masks, social distancing, COVID marshals, aggressive policing, cleaning, theater, sanitizing, capacity caps, we've banned dancing, we've banned singing. If all of those things were combined. Wait, you, you, you banned sorry, I don't singing? Ha- you banned singing and dancing? Yeah, so... Singing and dancing, where I leave has been banned for most of the time. Um, Footloose. There was a brief. There was a brief period where it came back, and then that, now they have banned it again. <laughs> but, yeah, but, this is
0: not. A free so sad. Western no, this so, country. This is this is insane. Um, wow, it's like yeah, the definition. I don't know what's worse, that or the paintbrush? I don't know what's worse.
2: So, so Yeah, singing. Oh. Sorry. I have a story for you guys. So I was at a birthday a few weeks ago and this was before the full lockdown, but they had brought in these heavy restrictions because we had one case. So everyone just panic, they banned singing and dancing. And I was at this party, like I say party, sorry, a gathering for someone's birthday. And there was probably about 20 people, and two of the girls were dancing, just just the two of them, having a bit of a boogie off to the side. And the police saw them from outside, and actually came into the venue and were like, "Stop dancing! Like you are putting people's lives at risk." And I was sort of like,
1: "What on earth?"
2: it was just one of those moments where you just want to be like do you feel like heroes like is this really the best use of police resources and the joke was we're all very close friends so we're hugging we're you know doing what we do so I was like is stopping these two girls just dancing really are there something that we need to pursue (laughs)
1: I'm an, I'm what is anything right sacred anymore? Like what
2: well, is anyone enjoying? I, I, no, that so boggles you did,
1: my mind.
2: You, you girls will love this. So in Australia, I think one of the questions you'd sent me through Ella was like, what is everyday life here? So yeah, everyday life. Yeah. So it's, things can be, appear to be semi-normal for brief periods of time. And people who don't work in an impacted business, are probably think everything's normal, but Restaurants, cafes, venues have all been under heavy restrictions since March last year. So even though you may be able to go to the pub that week, that pub can't turn a profit because they're under capacity cap. So people don't realise that. But basically a lockdown or restrictions can come at any time. So in an hour's time, we could get a case and they will put the whole state back into lockdown. So they one cancel case. weddings. One case. So, so they cancelled
0: There's no, we're probably never going to be able to go to Australia because if you were to open your borders internationally, that's
2: right. Yeah. So, this is what I say where there is no end point because even if we vaccinate everyone who wishes to be vaccinated, we are still, I I think, still likely to get thousands of deaths here because just because we're talking about that very old, you know, people who are 90 plus Mm -hmm. who, even if they're vaccinated, if they get the flu, they're likely to die. Like a lot mm. of old people die from those sort of viruses because they just can't mount a response. So yeah. yeah anyway, it's so
0: like dying of old age at some point because you're exactly. going to so well, die at something. And honestly, something, like, something will cancer, you some virus, and it's going it to, it can be something that isn't going to kill a young person, but yeah. Cause you're old that you're just that's, pneumonia. That's right. Yeah. But
2: yeah. I, I just have to share with you the rules that we're living with at the moment. So we've just come out of lockdown. Um, mm. So the rules for weddings. So they, so this is, again, this is a little bit of a first world problem, but I don't want to dismiss it because getting married is incredibly important for a lot of people. And that dictates when people have children, like I don't really care what people think about that for a lot of people. That is very important. Like they want to be married before they have children. So having their wedding delayed is actually a big deal for them. Um, So the government will come out and they'll introduce a lockdown or restrictions and your wedding can be the next day and they will just cancel it. So you lose all of your deposits, the venue, the food, the flowers, everything. So much money. Yep. So we've come out of this lockdown. The rules for weddings is you have to wear masks. They will let the bride and groom take their masks off for the ceremony. And then only the bridal party is allowed to dance and they're allowed to do one dance to one song I and mean, then dancing and singing is banned and everyone has to stay in their seats and it's a cap of 50 people. So this, this insane micromanaging, like I can't even explain how insane these rules are. So they were letting for a while the professional football go ahead and they had were allowing 50,000 people into the sports stadium and the rule was that you had to wear a mask as you walked into the sports stadium and then you could take it off as soon as you were in. And I was like, the nonsensical, like, and it it is getting crazier and crazier and crazier every single lockdown. So last time they banned dog walking, Um, (laughs) that was fun. They banned outdoor exercise, like similar stuff to the USA, like closed all the playgrounds. Um, But yeah, these, they control how many people we have in our homes. So in New South Wales right now, they've actually brought in the army to Go door to door and enforce this compliance. Make sure there's no one in your home that doesn't live there, etc. She is. I
1: don't even have I'm words really, I, right now. I'm really
0: sorry. That's horrible. We never. I. I mean. No. I'm. It, I. It was. It wasn't like that. Our entire experience, and it's so different. I mean, I don't know how much you've seen of like what U.S. life is right now, but like, I mean, I've I mean, I've been in Texas. I was in California for the 4th of July. And, like, everything, besides having to wear a mask on a plane, like, everything is really normal. I go to work in person every day at a full office. I go, like, no one polices me. I can go out to clubs, bars, no capacity. Um, As of right now, depending on the state that you're in, you don't have to be vaccinated. I think that that's going to be... That's going to change in September. It's it's going to change really fast in the fall with that, which is really scary. And um, but I don't think that America is exempt. I think that we could become a police state at any moment. And that is the the end goal, in my opinion. And the end goal is a police state with uh, forced vaccinations. And I, I really don't want what has happened to Australia and some other countries in Europe to happen to us. Um, Do you have any advice for Americans and kind of things to appeal to people? I think right now, I think because we don't, we, we we've been so cut off from the rest of the world. You know, this is the first time people can't really internationally travel. The only place people are internationally internationally traveling is Mexico and Mexico is more open than the U S. So like, we really don't have a sense of like how bad things are right now. So like when, When Biden comes on or when um, Fauci comes on or someone comes on is like, hey, we're going to do a a vaccination requirement so that you can travel or so that you can do this. People don't really see it as a big deal because we haven't um, you know, we've we've been slowly coming out of lockdowns, not regressing at all. And now we're hitting this regression. And I'm worried because people have been exposed to what's been happening in Australia that we Mm -hmm. might be be blindsided. So what advice would you give to us Americans to make sure that we we stand up now before it becomes uh, too late? Two
2: pieces of advice. One would be to shout down this unachievable zero COVID. Um, Obviously, I don't know how much that's been pushed in the U S but it seems to be that that's where they think they can get where we'll vaccinate everyone. We'll force everyone to do this and then we'll have no COVID deaths and it'll be this massive political victory or whatever it is they're aiming for. So if that. It, that's been pushed hard in the UK and Ireland and those countries. So I, yeah, I'm not quite sure whether that has been I don't been think featured. it's been
0: pushed here because we're not an island where I think you guys are. Like I, the first time I heard that was in New Zealand and I was like, yeah. Oh, well that's easy for you guys. You guys can close your borders and make sure no one leaves. And not that that's a good thing. Cause I don't think that's a good thing, but I think that because the U S isn't um, an island and we're so big, like that's not really, that isn't seem they they like I think they tried to say that early on, but no one's really pushing that narrative. I would say the biggest thing right now is like everyone's vaccinated or we're locking yeah. down again. I would say that's kind of the point. But even then, I don't think that's a good thing either because so,
2: you know, yeah. So I think at this point we cannot conceding anything to this nonsense narrative is a mistake. So people come out and they say it's just a mask. Well. I don't necessarily have a problem with masks in the sense that if there was a virus going around and it turned out that masks, uh, you know, would stop you passing the virus to your grandma, say, I would wear a mask when I went to visit my grandma. I don't think masks work, but just as a theoretical thing, I am not opposed to masks as an intervention if they worked. What I have a massive problem with is the mandates And mandates based on very, very flimsy evidence, I think are extremely dangerous. So I think falling into the trap of saying, oh, it's just a mask. Oh, it's just capping venues at 75%. Yeah, yeah. It's just staying home for a week. I think even conceding, and I get a lot of pushback on this and I really don't care, um, you know, it's just a mask. You're so selfish. And I'm like, well, We are handing the government so much power to allow them to make mandates based on virtually no concrete solid evidence. And I just think that as a concept is very dangerous. So I think you need to push back against all of it. I don't think, you know, you can say, sure, recommend masks. That's fine. Like I said, Mm -hmm. you can put advice to people and say, look, if you're of this age profile, we recommend you wear a mask, catch up with your friends outside and avoid mass events with young people. That's what we recommend. And it's up to you, whether you take that advice. I have no problem with that, the mandating of this stuff. um, And let's face it, there's virtually no good evidence Mm -hmm. for just about any of it. Like you said, we're not even looking at the results of these policies. I think that as a principle needs to be pushed back on and pushed back on hard. Um, even if they say like, you know, it, it's um yeah, it's just a mask. We're only asking you to stay home for one week. We're only asking the nightclubs to close at eight o'clock. It's not that big of a deal. It is a big deal. Um, it, it snowballs and that is what has happened in Australia. And I don't think people realize what a dangerous situation we are now in. Honestly, it would not at all surprise me if the federal government started putting off the election that should be coming up next year. I think we are really at that point. Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting because you guys
0: didn't even have an election year this year, which we did. And that was very interesting to see happen And. You know, I think, I think it's you've been very consistent, it seems like, since day one, which is, you know, yep. you don't, any time, which is Jordan's philosophy too, anything that is restrictive mandating of your freedom it should be a red flag. And yep. from the beginning, it should have been uh, suggestions based off of data and, and science and uh, true science that would have saved lives as opposed to mandating a, across the board. And I think that you're right. Anything that Infringes on that is a red flag, and and we know we need to stand up. Um, also,
1: anything that sort of alludes to like the definition of insanity, which is like going around in circles doing the yes. same thing over and over again, expecting which different is not, results.
2: So, Australia, I mean, I, I'm embarrassed. We are actually, should be, if we're not, an international laughing stock. We and and What I find so thoroughly amusing, and I came across this, I joined Twitter for the first time. I've never been on Twitter before this, by the way. It was just out of sheer, like, I was feeling Desperation. (laughs) Desperation to come across people that thought the same as me because I was starting to feel insane. But this Australians, and this is a mainstream thought, they actually think that they just wear masks better and social distance harder than people in the USA and the UK they actually believe this. They think that we are superior beings here who are just more moral. And that is why we've had low cases and low deaths. And like you said, we are an island. We have been turned into a police state prison island. Like we can't leave. It just the the disconnect in in to reality. These people it's just it's astounding to me that yeah. they think masks and these policies failed everywhere. Except Australia and New Zealand where everyone's just far more intelligent and puts their mask on supposedly in a better way that it's – we've lost the plot basically. It's just really (laughs) unfortunate
1: that the definition of being like a good person and being like a giving, like sacrificial person is someone who's – Yeah, who wants to give up everything, like, give up my wedding, give up, like, being in the birthing room to watch my wife give give birth, like, I'm fine with, like, what, what? Well,
2: ironic, well, the people who say this, though, are the ones who aren't experiencing that. Mm. So the people who say the sacrifice is worth it are the people who aren't sacrificing anything. Yeah, that's similar to
1: the US. Yeah, Yeah. they
2: say, I'm a hero because I'm not going to go to the pub for a week. How good am I? I'm so moral and just altruistic. Mm -hmm. They don't realize that not going to the pub for a week for the pub owner means he can't feed his family. And Mm -hmm. they're just this... And they're not the ones having their wedding cancelled. They're not the one whose wife had to give birth to a still-born baby alone in a hospital without her husband because the hospital wouldn't let him in to be with her. They're not the ones that can't say goodbye to a dying relative. You know, a massive chunk of Australia's population was born overseas, so we have a really large immigrant community. A lot of these people have immediate family who live overseas. So they have now been separated from family members for 18 months and this is going to continue, I think, for years. But, you know, theoretically another year of closed international borders. You know, that if you've got parents, you know, at our age, your parents are starting to get a bit older, you know, grandparents, whatever, you're missing out on life. Do you know what I mean? Like it, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's just how much are we
1: willing to give?
2: It's That's hard right. to go from a, a a
0: state before COVID where we were such a, it was such a global world, you know, like it wasn't on, you know, my boyfriend grew up overseas. He's American, but he literally grew up um, in three countries overseas and that, you know, there was that kind of culture. Oh, you know, you can go travel the world and experience yeah. things and we've lost that. And it's, it's very weird because at the same time, it feels like these countries are all on the same page and they want us to be um, more globally oriented, but we're also like stuck in our own country and we don't even get to experience other cultures. Yeah. It's, it's a really weird time. Um, and it is, it's just, it's just very confusing and, and depressing. And I would say, um, I, my advice honestly is that I think that in my you know i relate to like the elite situation because not only did we had politicians like Nancy Pelosi um Newsom, which he's actually getting recalled in California right now. Yeah, because, rules for thee,
2: not for me. <laughs> yeah, like he, rules he for the, is not possibly for one of the worst leaders in the Western world, agree. Just Jacinta Arden. Yeah, <laughs> he actually
0: he actually has a really good chance of um of losing this recall election because of I hope not, he does. Yeah. Me too. Because so.
2: it would be such a lesson. it's it's just a smack down of this double standard sort of leadership. Yeah. And yeah, I think it would be a My, good wake-up call.
0: My I, I hope so, but my advice too is that what we've seen in the election is that COVID, um, and and Jordan and I are from Arizona, a state where they're actually doing a, an audit right now of the election. They're they're coming across a lot of a lot of fraud, and um, my my concern was because of COVID, everything, you know, whether it was an intentional or not, that's a that's another discussion. But the fact that we, you know, two like a month or two before the election rolled out mass, um. or not online, but mail-in ballots that we had never processed that type of voting. We used to have to go, we changed the protocol of the entire voting system. Certain laws changed of how late you could count ballots till we had um, in Arizona in a lot of different States used to have to go to your specific polling location so they could track the ballots more carefully. And, um, they didn't do that. They used, uh, you know, it's coming out that they used Sharpies in our state that actually bled through the ballots and made it hard for them to go through the reading machine. So what was scary was while we were going through COVID, um, we, We didn't really like hold it it took us a while to hold these politicians accountable. And even um, people like to say that, like, for example, in America, American politics. Okay, the right at the beginning was more anti lockdowns. um, But Trump was the president when Fauci recommended that we lock down. He was the president that said two weeks to slow the spread. And so even though his base ended up being kind of pushing the narrative of, of being anti-lockdown. And even though that's kind of become the more mainstream view now, what, it, what would have happened if day one, all Trump supporters had said, no, we are going to work tomorrow. Like imagine what a different place we'd be in now. Oh. And like, I yeah. kind of, um, I'm saddened that we weren't, we didn't band together from day one because it's, it's just conceding that one time pushed us back so far unfortunately uh, like you mentioned earlier and my worry with you guys you know just about to go into an election in the next year or so um, be careful make sure that things are being done ethically and that the politicians are held accountable because um, that really didn't happen in our last election things were um, kind of taken advantage of of how we were in lockdown while we were voting and it made it harder to um, have the elections run like they usually do.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, fraud or no fraud, who knows? But the point is that when they do rush through these new processes and everyone knows they're new it's and we all know room how you for error. It, it yeah. it's room for error, but it, it just automatically makes people uneasy and that undermines confidence in your democracy. And that is such a bad thing. You know, you really need to have confidence that, your elections are being held fairly transparently Mm -hmm. and that people can trust the results because I'm sort of one of those people that whoever wins wins and I will accept that result. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can accept that when you lose uh, your party loses an election that you obviously wanted to win. Um, But when you have confidence that that is genuinely just the way the majority Mm -hmm. voted, most people are just like accepting of that. It's, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. So that, but look, we've lost control here. I, I, Like I said, at this point, and gosh, I hope it doesn't happen, but I could see the federal election being postponed or put off under the cover of COVID. Um, We really are at this point of just the laws. Just just, um, the government can ban dancing and enforce it with the police. There's no parliamentary oversight. There's no opposition. You know, the opposition party here is just cheers on what the government are doing and are like, well, we'd do it even harder. You know, Mm. if you locked down for two weeks, we would have done it for four. You know, that's, that's our, that's our opposition here. We have no, no counterbalance at all. And it really does worry me. Uh, It's um, and, and I get a lot of like, you're being, you're overreacting. I'm sort of like, look, everything I said since March, 2020, unfortunately has played out how I feared it would with the border closures and, zero COVID and all of the other madness. I was sort of like, there's no political exit point from this trap that mm-hmm. we have created here in Australia and New Zealand as well. So it's, um, you know, to have the Prime Minister say that we're going to be dealing with lockdowns in 2022 is, and theoretically by that point, everyone in Australia would have had an opportunity to get a vaccine. If that is not enough to end this madness, what will be? There will never be you know, anything we can achieve beyond that. So it's, um, yeah, very scary.
1: Well, contrary to the people who tell you why do you ca- care so much, I, I will tell you that, I mean, I really respect everything that you've said today, and I respect that you care. I respect a lot of people who care when they maybe don't have to care as much. Like, I think it's actually a really admirable human quality to have just caring about things that maybe aren't exactly happening to you as severely as they're happening to someone else, but you're able to, like, look into the future and see, oh, what will this transpire into? Like the, the actions that we make happen today, what will the ramifications of those be? And I think that those are like the questions that you ask when you like care about this stuff. And like Ellen, I do. And that's why we want to continue doing this podcast because we can talk to people like you who are on a completely other side of the world. And we're able to like talk about this stuff that is happening to all these different countries, especially America, Australia, like we're talking about today. So, um, it's um, it's amazing that's why we want to continue it um and uh look, yeah that go. was just yeah, a little look. thing I wanted to throw in
2: no, <laughs> and look I straight back at both of you this has been the best conversation I've had since this pandemic started like I said oh. no one sort of I get no one sort of thinks the way I do like aside from a few very close friends um mm. so it's been very isolating to you really do feel, start to feel like, am I insane? Um, Jordan, I have had <laughs> some <laughs> thoughts.
1: You're speaking to the choir, yeah. Yeah, yeah like yeah. When,
2: when these news articles come out and, and they're sort of like, oh, you know, the kids are dropping out of school at record rates and child exploitation has gone up and we have teenagers flooding emergency departments with um, attempted suicide and you sort of think, I- I'm looking at this just, Thinking this is what's happening now, the, the harm is just accelerating, and no one seems to care. And you, st- you, you do start to think, uh, yeah, am I weird? I, I don't know. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, um,
0: yeah Jordan, I've had similar thoughts, and and you should feel totally validated by us that you aren't weird. Uh, you aren't. You know, I, I truly believe, and I appreciate your time coming on this and and sharing your story because I think that. You know even it'll make an impact you know even I think every impact is important um every every chance you can to to speak out um creates a ripple effect even if it's small um and I think that that's critical and we really appreciate it and um yeah Jordan do you have anything else to say
1: um I'll just yeah second that and uh say thank you to you again and um honestly like we could keep going for like four hours on all this stuff and even get deeper if we wanted to but I do think for the sake of simplification and like understanding I mean I'm sure anyone who's gotten this far in this episode knows like how important (laughs) everything we talked about today is and um yeah we'll just continue to follow it please send us stuff like I love
2: updates yeah yeah I definitely will Cause there's some very crazy stuff happening here. So just uh-huh. almost for amusement's sake, you guys can have a good laugh about sort of rush and we'll be sending, we'll <laughs> yeah. be
0: sending good love and good vibes your way, because I, I really hope that you guys get out of this. And I think that hopefully if we can fight along the same battle and if, if, if American can overcome this and maybe other countries will, will gain confidence and, and follow suit, hopefully.
1: Yep.
2: Fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's been absolute pleasure to talk to you both, and thank you so much for the invite. And yeah, it's it's um. I think from what we've what's been happening here, it actually makes a massive difference just to come across people that are willing to listen and sort of think the same way. So I really, really do appreciate it. Yeah, yeah of, of course.
1: course. Go, go, uh, dance outside and sing and do everything yeah. that you should <laughs> I'll do. Write you a letter from prison, <laughs> yeah. No, oh I look gosh. forward to that.
2: <laughs> well, I hope that doesn't happen. Well,
1: All right, thank you.
2: Thanks. No worries, girls. Thanks so much. Of course.